welcome to Star Wars in Poor Taste, AIPTcomics.com podcast. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Star Wars in Poor Taste. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined tonight as always by Conan Christensen and Jim Lahane. We've got a really special episode for you tonight. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, we have a very special guest with us, Heather Antos. Uh, if you're not familiar with her, she was the assistant Star Wars editor over at Marvel Comics and later the head editor of uh, Star Wars at Marvel Comics. So being three Star Wars nor- nerds that read comic books and Star Wars comic books. We're all really excited to talk to her tonight, uh, so be sure to stick around for that. First, we're going to get into a little news, but before we do that, Connor, Jim, it's been a little while. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's getting closer to summer. It's starting to get a little hotter down here in San Diego, which for us is uh, like 80 degrees. So it's almost beat season, which is great because my body is so not prepared for it, but I'm loving life. It's going well. Yeah, it um, practically snowed here today. <laughs> Uh, so it is definitely not getting warmer um i definitely closed all of my windows because it's gotten really cold and for some reason it like poured almost the whole day and we don't really get rain so i don't i don't know what what's going on it's like the end of the world oh i i understand that sometimes in san diego we get down to 62 degrees and it's freezing we don't even know what to do yeah yeah that's tough it's hard. We make it work, though. We really do. Well, if we're done with the weather. <laughs> That's it. This show has degraded to the weather. Yeah. <laughs> the most adult conversation we've had on this show so far is let's talk about the weather. Let's let's never do this. You again. Know, while we're at it, you guys want to talk about taxes? It's tax season's over. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not timely anymore. Anyway, sorry. All right, quick, quick Star Wars story for you guys. I was at the. Uh, the bar the other day with my girlfriend we were taking a break from building furniture and painting and a new hope was on at the bar we were at and there was no audio so i was quoting it scene for scene for her <laughs> and she said turn to me uh with a deadpan look and said i really forgot how much fun it is watching these movies with you oh that is adorable she, she did not that's... mean it yeah, oh. <laughs> She was annoyed that I was quoting it at her. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's when my little brother and I watch it together. We we don't need to watch it because we're, like, mouthing the lines along with everything. And, like, we have so many inside jokes when we watch the movie that, like, we spend more time laughing than we do actually watching the movie. Uh, I, g- I gave my wife the behind the scenes stuff of the now watch the guy hit his head, the, the stormtrooper hit his head sort of thing. Um, and so I, I hope she actually appreciates uh, at least a little bit of that. Uh, oh, yeah. I do that all the time. I, my favorite thing to point out, because I love I love the stormtrooper hitting his head on the door. But I also love to point out that uh, in the famous cantina scene where Han shoots Greedo in the very next scene, Greedo is in the background. <laughs> Like hanging out around the Millennium Falcon. That's like one of my favorite things in the world. That's not Greedo. It's I've okay. It's one of those things I know that they've since said like, oh, that wasn't him. But like, you look at it and you're like, that's the exact same character. He 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 may have the same clothes, but it's um, they're they're twins. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's his it's his uh his his twin brother Burrito. Yeah, Burrito. But but yeah, it's bur- Burrito. <laughs> It's clearly a different Rodian. You gotta let it go. Um, so, 
Yeah, so that was fun. But no, she did bring up how we're going to do another rewatch soon. She wanted to. She asked me about when The Mandalorian was going to be on, and uh, we're going to do another rewatch before that. And um, The Rise of Skywalker is upon us. Well, these these rewatches now, they used to be... Before, I mean, like before Disney took over, you could do the the full trilogy in a day. Like, re- like it was a little challenging, but you could definitely do it in a day. Now, I, I mean, it's a tough marathon to get through. It's awesome. It's a fun way to spend a weekend, but it's a lot of time if you do it on if you do them all back to back to back. That is. Well, then you also got to throw in the Clone Wars and Rebels to make sure everything <laughs> syncs up, and uh, you got to read the books real fast. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I don't know that she's ready for any of that yet. We've yeah. just we just did her first watch through last year, so I got to ease my way special? into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you you have to? Throw I don't. That in I don't want her to dump me, Jim. <laughs> my wife. I, I told you, my my wife made it for like thirty seconds and then gave up. <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah. this isn't going to happen. She's a brave woman. <laughs> I think my little brother did about a minute and a half, and he was like, this is Star Wars? I was like, yeah, that's that's Star Wars, dude. <laughs> Next time you want to complain about Disney, remember that. But, uh, Connor, you have a Star Wars story for everyone, I believe. I do. Um, so, as a lot of people know on the show, we're very, very, very excited about uh, Galaxy's Edge. We've talked about it almost as much as we've talked about The Mandalorian. Uh, It's a big deal for us. So obviously when reservations opened up for Star Wars Edge, um, Anaheim's only like an hour away from me. I was like, of course I'm going to go. I'm going to get the quickest reservations I can. I'm going to get there. It's going to be a great time. On top of it, um, my little sister turned 16 last week. Happy birthday, Lauren. And uh, my little brother turned 17 uh, May 28th. I think that's his birthday. (laughs) It's at the end of May. Anyway, happy birthday to him too. But uh, I was going to surprise them and take them to Star Wars Land. It was going to be this cool day. It was going to be a lot of fun. I was going to have a great time. They were going to have a great time. They're both huge Star Wars fans. So I wait in the online queue for three hours. I get my time slot booked June 5th, 8 p.m. to, to 12 a.m. Be a great time under the stars. Really let the, the feeling of Star Wars seep in. Text my stepdad. Said, hey, like, don't tell the kids, but I got I got a Star Wars uh, Star Wars Land tickets for for their birthdays and he goes cool when i say oh june 5th he goes okay um did you ask them about their school schedule because i forget that they're not grown adults and they have this thing called school and all that baloney and i go no why so anyway long story short we look into it and uh they have finals that day and uh they for sure cannot miss finals they have to to stay you can't you can't bring a note to your teacher that just says hey uh can I miss the most important day of class because Galaxy's Edge is opening up? They tend to frown upon that. And to make well, matters... What's more important? The, mo- the most important part of class or the most important day of their lives? That's what I said. What's more important, education or experiences? I would say experiences. They will forget how to do parabolas within the next two months. I guarantee it. But they will never forget the first time they stepped foot into Black Spire Outpost. Anyway, the way these reservations work is you they're non-transferable. For everybody over the age of 18, you have to have an ID, um, which would just be me in this case. But then I would also have to find people who look like they're under 18 to go with me since my siblings can't go. So I'm faced with a quandary um, that I would like some some help figuring out from our dear, dear listeners. Do I just cut my losses and go to Star Wars land and a couple 
couple extra weeks once it opens up fully and you don't need a reservation anymore. Or do I go alone, spend the entire day at Disneyland alone, and uh, then go to Star Wars Land alone and come back and talk about it on the podcast? Uh, so tweet at us, tweet at me, email us, whatever. Let me know what I should do. <laughs> I mean, as or, much as I'd want to go and enjoy it with people, I would have no problem going by myself. Yeah, I'd totally go alone. Now, the real question is, is how well can I pass for your brother or sister? Um, so, I, how if, are their facial hair games? If you, <laughs> if, if you shave and we put a ball cap on you, I think it could happen. And maybe we, maybe we put you in a wheelchair, which I know... It's not nice, but that'll that'll difference that'll get rid of the height, like because it'll be hard to explain. Like this is my sixteen-year-old brother, and they'll be like, "He's six three. Like, yeah, he's super tall for his age. Also, my little brother's like I, five eight. So, that I, was, oh, I was six three when I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah, he's he's shorter feller. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I it's it's a quandary because like I do a lot of things alone. I go to the movies alone. I go to the beach alone. I go to comic book shops alone. I drink alone. I do everything <laughs> I, alone basically. <laughs> I feel like this is turning into a therapy session. Yeah, let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it, it's a completely different thing to go to Disneyland alone and just, like, waiting in lines, walking around the park by yourself. That is borderline sad. I don't what? agree, man. I don't I agree at all. I totally go alone. I yeah, see, I, like, I, I can have so much fun by myself. I don't have to, like, as, as enjoyable as it is to, like, share your passion with people you care about, like, if you're still as passionate about something as we are about Star Wars, if I was there by myself, man, I'd be so pumped to just, like, rush to the things that I wanted to spend and, time on and not have to worry about, like, if someone was getting bored with what I was really excited about checking out. And the positive is I wouldn't have to, I would more than likely barely have to wait in lines because I'd be the only single. Like, hey, single, let me... I'll, I'll jump in with this family. Like, I don't there care. There you go. Nothing sad about that. Hi, kids. Oh. I'm Connor. I'm your new uncle. From I what mean, I've See, that's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> From what I've heard about um, the, the reservation system is it's thought that the four-hour window that you get with your reservation will be there won't be more people than fit on the Millennium Falcon in that time. And so the park should – that part of the park should be – like relatively empty compared to the rest of the park. Um, so that way you can enjoy your time there and not have to worry about jumping on the Millennium Falcon. So how do they, do we have any word yet on how they police the whole four hour limit? They are giving everybody colored wristbands. And uh, from what I've read, the stormtroopers are going to be policing which colored wristbands are allowed to be <laughs> in the park awesome. at any particular time. Yeah. I'd like to see them try to get me out of there. I, I'm very, very sneaky. I'll wear camouflage. I don't even care. I'll be in that park all day, all night. They'll never find me. I'll live there. I'll become a legend of Black Spire Outposts. I'll be like, yeah, there's a, apparently some guy who just never never leaves. And if you if you stay here late enough, you can see him hanging around the cantina, drunkenly stumbling around, shouting theories about Palpatine and Jar Jar Binks and why Dr. Afra is amazing. You We're know, totally going to see you on the news getting arrested. Well, my 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 big thought about that was is this is the guy who was questioning going alone, and then all of a sudden he's the hobo who's living in the back of Black Spire <laughs> Outpost. I'm 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 doubting your resolve to actually pull through on this. See, because going alone is the downward spiral. That's where it all it all. Because if I go with my siblings, go with somebody else, they have 
they're there to be my my anchor to reality, to be my rock, to pull me back out. If I go alone, there ain't nobody to stop me. Suddenly, I'm not Connor anymore. I'm just the hobo of Black Spire Outpost. And that's not even a cool nickname. It's your new Twitter handle, though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm legitimately going to change that right now. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about <laughs> something else now. So, uh, something, something that... Um, isn't in our notes, but that I noticed. Um, I'm so busy this week that uh, you can't go off the notes. He's going. He's going well, off script, people. Well, no, I know you both are. You both are aware of what I'm going to discuss, just not this specific detail. I've just been so busy that I can't remember if I saw this this morning or last night. But um, Alphabet Squadron, which I know you're both familiar with, and that is coming out is uh, doing a neat little tease. It's coming out on June 4th, so every day leading up to its release, they're doing uh, a new reveal on Twitter, a new pilot uh, from the book series. So they've done two now. And if you go to Star Wars Books, which is at Delray Star Wars, you can see uh, a picture of each pilot and a little breakdown of their character. So I don't want to say the two that have been revealed and spoil it for everyone because they're less than 10 hours old at this point. Uh, but what they've shown is really cool. Have you guys heard about this yet? So I, I saw what you posted in our Slack channel, the uh, the the Reddit posting and the the fact that this that that Del Rey is doing this. I think it's cool because it it gives it gives Alphabet Squadron this like really big feel like it, it feels like a big deal now it doesn't just feel like some afterthought book it feels like okay this is like a massive part of the star wars universe so i like this this like cool build up and rollout they're doing i'm sorry i'm distracted by the fact that you actually changed your name to hobo of black spire outpost <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, for our listeners find me on twitter hobo black spire outpost <laughs> i'm sorry everyone <laughs> um no, I, ha- I, I, yeah, I saw the the link to the the Reddit, but I haven't actually uh, checked it out. I'm, I like to go into the books for all, uh, but I, I am super excited that they're like leaking out this information because I am excited for Alphabet Squadron. Like when we did the, uh, um, uh, talk about what we're excited about at the beginning of the year, uh, Alphabet Squadron was on the top of my list. Yeah, I, I love Star Wars books, and waiting for the third and final piece of Thrawn's trilogy has been torture, so I'm glad I have this in the meantime to hold me over. Plus, the series I'm reading right now is ten books, and I'm just about to finish uh, book five, so I need a little break and you know a palate cleanser before I dive back in, and this is perfect. Oh, speaking of great books, you know what I just finished today? Tell us. Master and Apprentice. Uh, that is a good book. It was great. I was so, I, I was kind of, uh, I, I did the audio book and it took me a little, a little while to get into it. But, um, wow. By the end of that book, I was like riveted. You want to tell uh, everybody what's it, what it's about? Uh, it's about, so, um, the, actually the last couple of books that have come out, uh, have been, early prequel stories and so queen's shadow which came out in march uh took place between episodes one and two and dealt with padme and her handmaidens this which came out last month goes even further back to um qui-gon with uh his fairly new apprentice uh obi-wan and so it kind of goes into 
their trials and tribulations really about how to get along as master and apprentice and they're not doing too well and it was really kind of it, it tied in with the phantom menace like the their their attitudes towards each other and their behavior towards each other so well that it felt like the book fit perfectly because you know sometimes how you read the books that tie in with the the movies and stuff and it the the characters don't seem to fit how they are in the movies but in this book, they tied them together. Like you could see how their behavior has kind of evolved to the point of the Phantom Menace. But still, you could still see that kind of tension between them. Yeah, I thought it, it did a fantastic job with the relationship. And uh, something that you see in the films that this book captured really well is um, Qui-Gon's kind of disregard for the rules. And this kind of shows you uh, Obi-Wan's introduction to a master that... I feel like his expectations are really high. And then when he sees that Qui-Gon's just like, I don't care what the council says. I, I'm interested in prophecy and, um, you know, the the natural feel of the force. He's pretty disappointed. But you see that in Phantom Menace. You see his frustration with Qui-Gon when he disregards the council. Uh, but at that point, it's more that he really loves Qui-Gon and he wants him to be on the council and thinks he deserves more. But he's just, you know too stubborn and set in his ways and you also get um a look at another former student of dooku i don't want to say too much about that uh but i also really thought that was fantastic i love new pieces of lore like that well the the way i did it this came this book came out about two weeks before another new story called dooku jedi lost and that's an entire um audio drama like kind of jumping way back to like when the the star wars audio dramas came out a long time ago and so they released this new audio drama and uh it is basically ties in with this book really well except for it's more dooku's past when he is a kid and a padawan and and kind of ties into his first apprentice and also with qui-gon and so um it doesn't hurt to like say like the first apprentice's name is rail um, who was Dooku's Padawan before Qui-Gon. And so he is in this in this audiobook, but he's not in it very much. He's kind of in it a little a piecemeal in, in the audio drama. And so I listened to that first, and then I went to Master and Apprentice, where Rail plays a huge part in the book. And I was actually really surprised. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect him to be such an impactful character um, after his kind of brief introduction for me, since I kind of did them backwards according to release order. And so it's, it, it's been a lot of fun trying to get the, these two books down. I really enjoyed Master and Apprentice. And you know what? Somebody can win Master and Apprentice. You are the chosen one! Oh, tell us who. Tell us who? Sure. Um, we had our contest last month and I giving away my copy of Master Apprentice since I had gotten the celebration copy. I had this extra copy laying around. And so uh, fairly untouched copy. I like to dog ear the pages. Um, and so one of the pages got dog eared, I believe. Um, but that's uh, you just have to put up with it. It's a free book. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like getting a used book, but for free. So, it, it, yeah, except for I, I, I didn't even read it. I just have a tendency to dog ear the pages where because I do timelines. And so I need to know where all the time breaks are. And so I have a tendency to dog ear those pages. Like um, it. it makes it a lot easier to find the stuff later. But I need one of you pick a number between one and 17. 
12. Not four? No, I was, oh my God, I was legitimately thinking four. <laughs> but then I, well, you always pick four. I know. Yeah, that, that was, that, that, I don't know why. All right, 12. All right, let me see. All right, our winner this week is Stanley Kozlowski. Stan the man. All right, I will get that book out for you as soon as possible. Congratulations, Stan. This is a big day for you. You should really cherish this moment. Make sure you tell your friends and your family. Um, you're probably going to want a journal about it. If you don't have a journal, get a journal and then write about this moment. It's very big for you. Or at least take a picture with the book and send it to us so we could retweet it out. Yeah, and then we can journal it, but on the internet through Twitter. So let's talk about some news. So it's only appropriate with the end of Game of Thrones that we talk about this next piece of news. Uh, So we've known for a while now that uh, D.B. Weiss and um, David Benoff, or Benoff, or however he says it, are going to be doing... Sorry, go ahead. Is it Ben... Yeah, Ben... Ben Woff? Is it French? Ben Woff? No. I don't, ben, know. I don't ben, know. Ben E. Off. Ben, ben E. Off. Yes. There we go. The point is, um, the first Star Wars films officially after Rise of the uh, Skywalker will be from the Game of Thrones showrunners. And the internet did not react positively to that. No, they reacted very positively. That was until the last couple of episodes of Game of Thrones came out. <laughs> <laughs> I just what what made Disney and I like gosh Disney normally makes really good marketing decisions uh I think I hope they haven't made any bad decisions in the past other than this one but like what made them think like oh now the now is the perfect time to let everybody know that they're doing the next trilogy like we all we've known for what a year and a half that they were doing their own set of films why did you wait until the release of the most hated episode of Game of Thrones ever to let people know, oh, by the way, they're doing the next ones. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it, it, it's such boneheaded timing because now the hype for this movie, for this trilogy, is already absolutely dead. All because of, and like, it, we're not a Game of Thrones podcast. You all know that by now. But I, I also think the hate that they're getting is way overblown. I don't like the way this season ended either, but it's really hard to wrap up that much storytelling cohesively and without it feeling rushed. So I think that they did the best they could. But these people are coming out of the woodwork saying, like, they're terrible writers. They should never work again. Come on. Like, they made – like what, there were 76 episodes of Game of Thrones or 77. They made two bad episodes. Now, granted, those were the two – last episode so it's not a good look but this these people freaking out acting like oh my god they're gonna ruin star wars because they have no idea what they're doing come on like they're still incredibly talented writers they just probably should adapt something instead of creating their own thing that's all yeah and we don't know entirely that what their roles in the trilogy are i believe we don't know if they are directors, if they're writers, if they're producers, and they're getting people to write it and direct it. Like We have yeah. no idea what their role in all this is. For all we know, they're executive producers, and they're literally just funding the movie. It's unlikely, yeah. but that could be it. I, I have to assume they're going to either write or produce, uh, because that's pretty much what their two roles were during Game of Thrones. 
they did a couple of um, episodes from the director's chair, but they primarily wrote and produced it. So I'd be shocked if it's anything besides that. But I'm with you, Connor. I think the hate for these guys is overblown. It's incredibly difficult to end any series, let alone the most popular series of the last decade. So I think people are overreacting a bit. And in this case, they're not going to be adapting any material. They're going to be working with entirely fresh material, which I also think is a lot easier when at the out of the gate, you're not trying to take what another creator has done put together and adapt it to your own vision you're just making your own vision of something mm-hmm. i'm like i am slightly less excited than i was before after seeing the way game of thrones played out because i was a pretty big game of thrones fan and you know i'm i'm dissatisfied by the conclusion um but i'm still super excited to see what they can do it's not like these are two nobodies or two people who are only known for bad stuff like they're still known for creating a pop culture phenomenon. So I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get the immense amount of hate they're getting. I mean, I do the, the internet has like a pack mentality. It's just a never ending outrage machine that regardless of what side of social issues or politics you're on, they just move from one thing to the next with this huge hive mind of like anger and rage you know, next week it'll be something else and the week after something else. But it's just, you know, everyone collectively just pig piles onto stuff. And that just brings me back to my initial point is like with Disney, why didn't you why didn't you wait on this news? You know, we're, we're going to have three years until this movie comes out. Like they they confirmed that that there's going to be a three year gap between Rise of Skywalker and this next trilogy of films. You could have wait. You could have sat on this news for a year you could have waited so long and nobody would have people probably would have like maybe not forgotten but they'd be less heated about the fact that these people quote unquote ruined game of thrones but instead you release it it was like tuesday tuesday morning they announced oh by the way like the game of thrones guys are doing uh the next star wars movie it's like ah it's such a a boneheaded decision yeah that's i it's kind of a weird timing i'm wondering if they were forced to release that information by something like they were kind of trying to get ahead of a leak or something. Um, but it, it, it was definitely weird timing. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, it just makes no sense to me, but uh, if they are directing this trilogy, I would like to point everyone to go watch the, uh, the, oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia episode flowers for Charlie. They directed that episode and it's one of the series best episodes and it's hysterical. So they're also good in the director's chair. All right. Well, that'll do it for news for the uh, for the episode. So we're going to move into something that I think everyone that's listening today has excitedly and patiently been waiting for. And that's an interview with Heather. All right, guys, we are joined by a very special guest tonight. She was the assistant editor and editor on Star Wars comics for over two years. I'm not going to list every single title she worked on because she basically worked on all of them. She was the editor-in-chief of eSports site Unicorn, I believe is how it's pronounced. And she is now the editor at Valiant Comics. Please welcome Heather Antos. <laughs> it is Unicorn. Good job. Yes, because it's, it's, it's spelled... <laughs> well, I mean, it's spelled U-N-I-K-R-N, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, is it is it Norwegian? Is it Unkren? And I was like, no, I think it's Unicorn. 
So oh, I'm off to see, a hot start. See, so many people, so many people would do Unicron, like the Transformer. Um, I, I would get that a lot, but that's incorrect. <laughs> well, we are a uh, Transformer-free podcast. Good as you should be. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. Star Wars. Uh, the really? only, the only, the only franchise that matters. Exactly. Oh, I like this. We have a, a couple of serious Transformers fans on the site, and this uh, is not anymore. They're more. they're gone now. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the angry Slack messages that are going to show up soon. I, do, yeah. I I do it for you. We you love it. That? We, we, we love only... getting in fights with the other podcasts that we have. <laughs> yes, we only talk Star Wars and Garfield here. Oh, yeah. okay. I like the range. It's it's a solid range. <laughs> You got to keep the people guessing, you know, you got to keep them on their toes. Oh, definitely. All right. Um, before we get into our questions, I have to ask right off the bat, uh, did you have an opportunity to watch the uh, live stream with uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Bob Iger, George Lucas, and Billy D? I did. I did watch it. It was, ah, oh, I'm just, I'm so jealous. I have, I have friends that were there. Um, and I'm just like very angry. I have friends that were there last week too. <laughs> Mad at their joy. It's so it's not fair. But then I think about all the other cool stuff I've got to do with Star Wars. So it I guess it evens out. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was looking through like all the press photos of of Galaxy's Edge earlier today at work, and then like one of my coworkers was like, "Oh, I have a, a friend who's with Fox, and she's at the premiere." I'm like, "That's great. I had tickets that I had to cancel." So. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait like everybody else to go, I guess. And now I'm having serious FOMO. I should have taken JJ and Jim's advice because I had reservations to go next week. Uh, but the two people I was supposed to go with bailed out. So I, I was like, well, I'm not going to go alone. I just canceled my trip. And what? JJ, no, I, yeah. I would totally I know. go alone. Oh, and I now, was all over him for it. Yeah. I was like, I would have been like, all right, see you later. Yeah, I'll be I, there. Have, I have half a mind to like quit this podcast right now. <laughs> like that's kind of offensive. We could just make Connor hang up, and you, Jim, and I could just talk instead. Sure. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> or or can we make him the rest of the podcast record in Shreerook? <laughs> Perfect. Shreerook one day. I got a... Uh, subtitles don't work on a podcast. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, if, if you have real Star Wars fans listening, they'll get it. They'll feel my emotions. They'll understand what I'm saying. Exactly. So speaking of emotions, uh, you know, I'm man enough to admit that when Harrison Ford dedicated it to, to Peter, I got a little emotional. There might have been some tears. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. I I still, gosh, the day that, that Peter Mayhew passed away, I was at my apartment and my boyfriend was coming over. And uh, which, by the way, I literally swiped right on him on the dating app because he was wearing a Han Solo shirt. Um, wise choice but uh, I like he walked in and he's just like so Peter Mayhew died like and I hadn't seen it yet and I just like immediately started crying and like I like punched him in the arm and I was like why would you do that to me (laughs) yeah I got at like my normal day job office I got a bunch of slack messages because like my icon on slack is a is a little Chewbacca I'm like did you you hear Chewbacca die and I was like yeah can I go home? I, right. I, I kind of need a minute. <laughs> when when Carrie Fisher passed away, I was driving. I was doing a cross country drive back to my parents' house in Michigan, and I like my friend texted me like when it when it happened when the news broke, and I had to I had to pull the car over so I could cry on the side of the highway. Ugh. That one hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
That one hurt a lot. I think everyone on the site in the Slack was like collectively internet crying together. Um, but you know, you know, he was a special guy with how Harrison Ford reacted to it because mm-hmm. he's like such a gruff, angry yes. man that everyone describes as a grouch. Um, like Ryan Gosling was talking about him working with him on um, Blade Runner and just like fondly described him as like a huge jerk and then you see Harrison <laughs> Ford in all these interviews being a huge jerk but then I forget which talk show it was that he was on some late night show it might have been Jimmy Fallon but he asked him about it and he said you know like I loved him and started like kind of crying and I was like holy yeah I was I was super lucky um when when we did the Chewbacca comic at Marvel years ago uh, that we did a signing at uh, Third Eye Comics in Annapolis that Peter Mayhew came to. And so it was Jerry Duggan, the writer, Phil Noto, who was the artist, and then Peter. And I got to, you know, hang out and meet with him. And then afterwards, the shop took us all out to dinner. And I was, I was like, so aside myself that, that I got to sit next to Peter for like the whole three-hour dinner. And... Like he was just telling stories about George and Harrison and Mark and filming and, and just life and just the kindest, gentlest soul you have ever met. Um, and like truly, truly just a very special person. And, and would, you could just tell he knew how lucky he was to be a part of something as big and and fantastic as star Wars. And he felt, so lucky to be a part of it and so happy and blessed and and you know he he does everything he does for the fans and it's just super kind and um so yeah truly truly a soul lost too soon oh man got a little goosebumps for that story <laughs> oh, now, now jj sad again <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> about that you're not supposed to use that kind of language <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i got real fired up <laughs> well uh let's let's move into uh some some more joyous conversation let's talk uh let's talk uh, your work on star wars comics so uh as i mentioned you were the uh assistant editor and editor on star wars comics for years there's literally too many to name that you worked on um, but one thing that we're really interested in, and I think some of our listeners can be interested in, is uh, how the relationship between the editorial team and Lucasfilm Story Group works. Um, and do you approach them with ideas that they'd have to approve, or is it kind of the other way around? It's a bit of both. Um, you know, when when Marvel and and Lucasfilm teamed up, and we you know we said we're going to do these comics. Um, we came to them with this is what we're thinking and they came to us with this is what they're thinking and we kind of like compromised you know how many ongoings how many miniseries to come up with like our publishing plan um and so when we're we said you know we want to do two ongoings of star wars and darth vader you know light side dark side book um and then do this like series of miniseries uh princess leia chewbacca han solo you know the the other characters um we we would then go to them with you know here here's the writers we want they uh they would approve the writers and then we would get pitches in and usually when it came to the pitches is we would come up with like three like two to three sentence ideas like high concept ideas lucasfilm would go through them and be like you know we like um we like one and two we like two we hate all of them go back to the drawing board 
Um, and then we would do a more elongated outline and get that approved and then scripts and then get those approved, et cetera, et cetera. But also on the other side, we also had Lucasfilm come to us with ideas that they had. So, um, as we all know, everything being published and produced right now in Star Wars is canon. And so, um, you know, with all of these different moving parts, um, between animation and TV and video games and the parks, et cetera, and novels, you know, there's so much going on that the other uh, licensees and the other producers of these these uh, stories just aren't aware about because it's all happening at once. And so one of the cool things that that came because of that is Lucasfilm would come to us and be like, oh, well, you know, this little movie coming out um, called Force Awakens. Uh, JJ had some ideas that he wanted to do in this film that that there's unfortunately not time for. Um, C-3PO has this red arm. Do you guys want to tell that story? Um, or they would come to us with, you know, uh, you know, we're doing this TV show called Rebels and we'd love to tell this character's backstory. Do you guys want to tell that story? And so there would be, you know, some back and forth with stuff like that, which was really cool um, to get to, you know, work with the different um, parts of the story that are happening simultaneously. Yeah, and that's that's so cool because uh, like the C three PO story specifically, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like when it got announced, I was like, why do we need a C three PO solo series? Like or like solo issue? He's just C three PO. But it ended up being like one of my favorite one shot comics that I've read in the past like five years. And I am like wholeheartedly a C three PO hater. And even I <laughs> love that issue because uh, I was like, wow, like I for once in my life feel empathetic towards C three PO. Um, but I had no idea that it was like a movie idea that that they approached Marvel with. And, and you guys were like, yeah, sure, we can do it. That's awesome. Yeah, that 100 percent came from J.J. Like that was the we worked with J.J. on that, um, you know, to to really break down and get to see where his head was at. Um, and uh, so that was super, super cool. And then like same with stuff like Shattered Empire or like the Phasma, you know, all the the lead ins. Um, to the to the different films, the K2SO and Cassian story, um, like all of that stuff was worked with the filmmakers as well, and uh, it's really get, cool to to get to do that sort of like uh, crossplay type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ever an occasion where like Charles Soule or Kieran Gillen or Jason Aaron came to you and was like, "I have this super cool idea that I want to put in." And it's, you know, it's going to change canon. Like, we have to ask uh, the story group that they shot down that you were like, man, that was super cool. I wish we got to do that. And if there was, can you tell us what it is? Uh, Only all the time. (laughs) Uh, All the time. Uh, And it's funny. I I don't. uh, It's a really, really funny thing. Um, And I, I, I felt bad when it happened. Um is uh jason aaron had been pitching since the beginning like he wanted to build towards because so okay so backtrack when we when we were first building like these are the stories and uh that we're doing star wars and earth vader um how do we approach them what are the stories we're going to tell and there was a lot of watching a new hope and a lot of watching the beginning of empire and a lot of because uh trying to figure out what's changed between the two um and how how do we get from you know the end of hope to the beginning of empire what are, what is the information they have learned in empire how have the characters changed how have they grown how do we tell these arcs and one of the characters that we see in a new hope but we just never ever ever see again is general dodonna and 
Jason Aaron had been planning on building up to the death and, and killing of, of General Dodonna for the very beginning. And Lucasfilm kept going back and forth on, like, they loved the idea, they loved the idea, but it was never the right time to tell that story. Um, never the right time, never the right time, never the right time. And eventually, after, you know, 37 issues, Jason uh, moved on from from the main series and Kieran Gillen took over. And as soon as Kieran took over, Lucasfilm was just like, I think now's the right time. We could we could tell that Dodonna story. Oh, man. Poor guy. It had nothing to do with Jason leaving. It was just like whatever they were doing in the background that they needed, you know, or wanted Dodonna life for whatever reasons. Um, It was just this like. Well, now I feel dirty if we tell this story. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's going to know and he's going to come find you. Yeah. You're going to get an angry tweet storm from Jason Aaron stands. I like... mean, it's not like Jason Aaron isn't writing other things for Marvel only always. <laughs> I, mean, I know the guy has had trouble finding work. He's only doing, you know, their biggest event of the past decade. <laughs> Jason uh, Aaron but... is literally walking out the door when you get the phone call. It's <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Jason, it turns out we're gonna do it. Weird. Yeah, it it was just it was it was one of those like awkward turtle moments of like, oh, cool. This will be. You don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I I really liked that story too. Like, cause I always remember thinking like the Mon Calamari have these crazy big shipyards. How is it that they only got the Alliance like three three or four ships, right. and then you see the panel with all the ships and you're like, oh, all these people are going to die. Yep. It yep. Got... And, and now you know why. <laughs> and it got dark. Like, that was... It, 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 dark. Like, like, yeah, Kieran Gillen took over Star Wars. Like, oh, oh, wow, it's it's dark I now. mean, like... have you ever read a Kieran Gillen story? <laughs> <laughs> very, very good point. I should have expected nothing less from the guy who did the entirety of the first volume of Vader. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but, uh, so good yeah i mean we could go on for days about i mean honestly about both volumes of darth vader they're both amazing um but but speaking of solo characters and solo series um there's there there were a few uh characters who were introduced in the comics that did get expanded into solo series one of them being dr afra which is arguably my favorite star wars character i'm not going to start on well, that it's because no she's the best star wars character she's she is absolutely oh, incredible uh i have i've ar- been arguing for years that they need to like s- scrap the boba fett movie scrap the obi-wan movie do a dr afra movie it'd be way more exciting and i love the other characters but like she's incredible i mean Thank I you. <laughs> um, I, I got to compliment you before you continue, Connor. You controlled yourself and your enthusiasm a lot better than I thought you would. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I it's because I, I, I got it all out before the show, like making sure like I talked to my coworkers who know nothing about Star Wars. I went on like a 25 minute rant about Dr. Afra, and they're like, now, which movie is she in? I'm like, ah, not the movies, guys. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> um, but. Anyway, getting back to my question, uh, was there one character that was from the comics that you or one of the writers wanted to see explored into a solo series that just it didn't come to fruition or, or it got ixnayed? Uh, I mean, one, uh, it, it was going to happen. We had a pitch in. Um, and then for reasons that uh, I can't really say, uh, the the book ended up not happening. But I really wanted to do a gin. Uh, prequel story uh, before 
um, she wasn't created in the comics, but like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to do a Jen Erso like prequel story. We had a pitch in that was really, really cool about like, you know, what led her into prison and all of this stuff. Um, that would have been fun to tell, but, uh, I mean, from the comics themselves, I, oh gosh. Uh, I mean, Yvonne from the Princess Leia series, I'm a huge fan of, I think she's great. Um, I would just do, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I would do a triple zero and BT. Oh, yes. In and of itself. Like, I really, I really would like to do like, cause triple zero has been like his, his program has been trapped in that vault for, you know, years and years and years. Right. Um, I kind of want to see why it got trapped in that vault and what terrible things he committed to get himself trapped in that vault. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be all about that series. And actually, I would I would be very much into a Jyn Erso series. Um, I'm a big time Rogue One fan. Same. I put I put Rogue One in my top three of all Star Wars fan or all Star Wars movies. Same. Uh, and I really hate it when people say it's. Uh, unnecessary. I hate. I hate it when that said. Well, those people are stupid. I couldn't they're, agree they're, more. They're also wrong. They're just wrong. It's, it's not. It's the only Star Wars movie. Not the only one, but it's the first one that it's like, okay, this is a war movie through yes. and through. That's all this is. It's yes. about the actual war, and it was. It's an awesome movie, well, and people are like, well, you know, they're gonna succeed at the end. It's like that doesn't take away the suspense right, and or... we know and we know solo isn't gonna die in the han solo movie <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, it's still good right oh still spoiler adorable. warnings <laughs> yeah sorry i'm sorry yes sorry oh, everyone oh, yeah. um, oh. no i mean i'm the, i'm the same way i mean i i've been playing uh tabletop star wars games for the better part of of i mean for actually a decade now um but uh and like everyone always wants to be sith or jedi or bounty hunter and like for me I've always been more interested in, like, you know, the Dr. Aphra type character, the Jyn Erso, the Han Solo. Like, who are the regular people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who who don't have these fantastic powers in this world of, in this universe of fantastic abilities? And, like, that's the interesting thing to me. Um, who's the Batman? Right! Who Who's yep. the Batman? Um, and w- what drives them? to to do what they do and and survive and like that's that's what that movie was um and it was so cool and um and quite honestly like it that movie gets me so so emotional and then if you haven't read um the uh, Del Rey anthology from a certain point of view that they put together for the 40th anniversary the very first story in it is written by Gary Whitta, who is the screen screenwriter for Rogue One. And it tells the story of one of the uh, rebel, uh, rebel officers aboard that ship that Vader was on as he's trying to get uh, the, the Death Star plans to Leia. And it's so good. <laughs> It like has you tearing up. It was it was so so good because there were stakes. There were actual actual stakes. Um, that yes, you know they're going to succeed, but will they survive? Yeah, and that's what made it like so fascinating. And then people got mad, like oh, uh, like who cares? All the characters died. It's like, but that made their sacrifice all the more important. Right. And, <laughs> and how cool was it seeing red and gold gold leader 
checking in. Like they pulled the old footage. I loved <laughs> yeah. that. Also, I'm sorry. I when I first when I saw Rogue One on premiere premiere night, I lost it when you got to see what happened to the original Red Five. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so cool. Like people were like, oh, that's like that's fan service bullshit. But I was like, I I don't care. Now we get to know. Like, oh, that's how Luke got his call sign. That's cool. Oh. As soon as he's like Red you know, Five, yeah. I'm like, you're dead. <laughs> you know what else is fan service bullshit? Most of Force Awakens, but people still like that. So yeah. <laughs> if it's effective, who cares? Right, exactly. If it's a good story, if it's effective, great. <laughs> it was the first standalone Star Wars film that stood by itself. There was yeah. no sequel. There was no prequel. It was just there, and I I love that about it. It was their first effort to just put a movie there by itself, and there it was, was great. Good, yeah. Um, before we move on to the next question, I know Connor has another one for you. I do feel the need to mention to both of you guys, since I know you both love Dr. Aphra, that Triple Zero, uh, BT, and Dr. Aphra's Black Series mm-hmm. is coming out July 1st. I, I have know. Them all. Yeah, they, they also had the, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive last year yep, was, a, was the set. <laughs> I couldn't get my hands on it by the time I checked. It was like $70. I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to spend $70 on that toy just yet. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait a bit. Oh, I even got myself made a Dr. Afro custom Funko. Oh. Because oh. they haven't made one yet, and I'm very upset about that. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, no, Dr. Afro's the best. Yeah. We could, we could do an entire, the second podcast entirely discussing Dr. Afro. I mean, Afra. let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's get this on the books, because I would love to do a Dr. Aphra special episode. <laughs> um, well, archaeology is one of the greatest professions out there. Oh, really now, Jim? It's not as good as paleontology, but that's, <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> um, what Jim does for a living. Yeah. Uh... Uh, he's the smart one of the podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, mo- moving on. Um, so the, the Star Wars comics have had a ton of massive creators uh, get their hands dirty in the Star Wars universe. Uh, we talked about Jason Aaron. We talked about Kieran Gillen, Charles Sewell, Phil Noto, uh, Angel Unsuenta, Colin Bunn, and even now Greg Pox getting involved. But was there was there anyone that you really wanted to get on board that, for whatever reason, just couldn't – you couldn't make it happen? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I – G. Willow Wilson is a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan, and I we tried to fit it in with her schedule so many times, and we just couldn't make it work. Um, and but that's, I mean, never say never. You never know what's gonna happen if, if you know, they might be able to get it eventually, because um, she's so fantastic and she's such a huge fan, and I know she would do um, the characters justice. Um, so yeah, she she was a big one, big one for me that that unfortunately we just we just couldn't make the schedules work that's such a bummer because like her new series uh invisible kingdom mm-hmm. like this this like religious focus slash like amazon commentary science fiction book is just amazing it really and, is the artwork and, is next level oh i could just oh i could only imagine what she'd be able to do with star wars because i think she would probably take it from that ground level approach that we were talking about and like as boring as it might sound like it's like i actually would like to hear like read a comic about the logistics the logistics industry within the star wars galaxy like what's oh that my like? god yeah and and like after reading invisible kingdom and what i've read of that so far i'm like oh she would do an amazing job on it yeah yeah i i and and like I, I remember the first conversation I had with her bringing it up. Like, she was so excited. You know, it's like, that that's the fun thing, I think, working on, you know, um, a franchise 
that's so beloved by so many different people um, from different backgrounds and, and everything across the world. It's like how they turn into a kid, you mm-hmm. know, um, when you bring up Star Wars. And I think, too, just like the sacrifices some of these people were willing to make um, <laughs> in order to do it. Like uh, Terry Dodson said to me once at a show, uh, he's he's like, you know, I as a comics creator, I'm a strict uh, nine to five, Monday to Friday, like in order to keep a rigorous schedule and, and keep a healthy balance. But he said to me, he's like, but I love Star Wars so much that I, I do it on the weekends. I do it at nights. Like it's, it's fun for me. It's my hobby. It's my relaxation. And, and like, there's the one side of me that like, all oh, that makes me feel really good and really happy that, that you find such joy in what you're doing. But then the other thing is like, you shouldn't tell an editor that because now I'm going to make you. <laughs> now that I know I can use you. <laughs> I know you like this. Yeah. The, doc- the Dr. Evil chair swings around. Like, the well, pinky well, goes to the lips. He's going to say yes. So. <laughs> hey, since I know it's Saturday, but let's be honest. <laughs> you want to do this anyway. What better way to say into Saturday right Terry (laughs) oh um so so you've talked about a lot of cool stuff so far um but I have to know in the position that you were in with Star Wars comics what was the coolest experience that you ever had whether it was through a creator I mean we know you met Peter Mayhew so that might already answer this question (laughs) um or a specific story and new piece of canon that you got introduced like out of all of the experiences that came with that what was the one moment that stands out the most to you i think gosh this is tough um i mean all 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 three of them have to do with the force awakens but i think it was getting to be the 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 summation is getting to be a part of the launch of this new era of star wars and getting to help craft it and getting to help build it. Um, you know, the first time I went to Lucasfilm and got to sit in the offices and, you know, did the visual walkthrough of what the film was going to be and read the screenplay for the first time. You know, it's it's one of those pinch me moments. Um, and I think for me one of the coolest and most surreal things was um, I got to see, I got to see, I went to the LA premiere and then I went to the New York premiere, but the coolest viewing of that movie for me was that Thursday night. Um, you know, the, 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 I, I can't say midnight because it was like 7 PM, but like <laughs> it was midnight somewhere in the world. Right, it's the I guess the the normal people premiere. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's what I go to. I'm old now. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> getting to go there, and it's the whole like you know I know I'm the only one in the theater who has who has seen this and know what's coming. But getting to be in a room full of people and get to experience them experience this for the first time was just one of the coolest things to kind of like live through their happiness. Um, and their excitement and like I remember one of my favorite memories is is there was this little girl sitting behind me and she couldn't have been more than like seven or eight and the film ends and they reveal you know Luke Skywalker and this is where he's been hiding the whole time and she just gasps like the most audible loud gasp I've ever heard it goes he has a beard (laughs) the cutest most adorable thing um 
but yeah, I, I think like just getting to be a part of the launch of like this new era and like, you know, getting to be a part of like building Dr. Afra and telling Ray's story and, you know, connecting with this new generation of fans is just so cool. There's, there's not, there's no way to put words to it. All right. So going back, back, far back before you joined Marvel. A long um, time ago. And a long time ago <laughs> in, in this galaxy. Um, what initially got you into Star Wars? Uh, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars has kind of always been a part of my life. Um, I grew up, you know, watching Indiana Jones and James Bond and Star Wars with my dad growing up. And it was just like normal, um, normal households, you know, films to be on in the background. Uh, but it wasn't until Phantom Menace came out. Cause I think I was the right age when it came out. I was, I was, um, eight years old when it came out. And so to see a kid in the films that was my age, like it was very, you know, it really connected to me. And 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 uh, Padme was young too, and to have that role model, um, and it and it also helped that I got to see them as a field trip, um, in school. That's cool. That is amazing. To, yeah, I got to see all three prequel films as as end of the year field trips in school. What? So yeah. I went to the wrong school. <laughs> I know. Um, I think like my dad like pulled me out of school to go to like the the midnight premieres for each movie. And he was like, "Ah, oh, you're not going to school tomorrow. Let's go see Star Wars." And I'd be like, "Yeah." No, but uh, yeah. So Phantom Menace came out, and I was just enamored. I was just completely in awe. We went to this film, and I was so in love with it that I hid in the theater. Um, so when my classmates left, I was still in the theater so I could sit and watch it all day long. That is amazing. I, I got in so much trouble, but I think it was worth it. Oh, totally oh, worth it. Definitely. Because that isn't a nightmare-inducing thing for any parent. <laughs> they, they, let, they let me go back for Attack of the Clones, so it must have not been that bad. I'm sorry, I just have to keep watching this pod racing scene. It's very important. How else will I beat the video game? Exactly. That was a great game, to be fair. It's a great game. So how has working on the being the editor impacted your fandom? Do you, do you consider yourself more or less of a fan now actually after you've basically been in the weeds? I mean, it definitely makes me uh I I I I'm just as much of a fan as I was before. If not, it's kind of really secured how much of a Star Wars fan I am cuz I think going into Marvel, I didn't realize I was as big of a Star Wars nerd as I am uh, because I was always surrounded by such Star Wars nerds um, like my friends my friends in college we would sit around a campfire and you know how you sit around a campfire and people will do like name you know name everyone name a James Bond until no one can name a James Bond anymore we would do that with like Star Wars alien species or planets or whatever um, really sad nerdy things and <laughs> And but like this was normal to me, um, and so when I went to Marvel and I'm working on Star Wars, I assume like oh I'm the casual fan with the casual knowledge, and I like name drop Mustafar and like someone doesn't know what Mustafar is and or I'm tired, or they talk about like you know we're we're trying to come up with like different alien species and I just start rattling like you know Duro Deveronian like all of these things off and. You know, my my boss, Jordan, who is a very, you know, he's a huge Star Wars fan, but he's not, uh, you know, Legends nerd or anything like that. 
um, doesn't know what I'm talking about. It, it was a, it was a really like come to Jesus moment for me where I'm like, yep. Oh, I'm that nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just learned what a crew loot was not too long ago. Yeah. I, I think for me, no, this was, this was really the, the true nerd moment for me. There's a variant cover that Han, that Mark Brooks did for Han Solo number one. And it's very, very cool. It's Han and Chewie. And then the background is like a blueprint schematic for the, the Millennium Falcon. And on it is all of these stats of the Falcon, like it's different guns and the size and the seed and all this stuff, but it's all written in Arabesh. And one of the things that, you know, we did to help Lucasfilm out is Lucasfilm was like, we need this translated so we can just verify the stats and make sure what you're printing is correct. And so I hand translated it, the Arabesh. Well, I mean, like, wow. that that reminds me, like, you, you never think you're that much of a Star Wars fan until, A, you get around normal people, and yep. then I, I say things that I'm like, how do you not know that? Like, that's not, that's not that much, that's all in the movies. Like, yep. I understand if I make, like, a comic reference, it's like, okay, I, I get why you don't get that. But then I remember I was at the premiere for The Last Jedi, and this guy was like, let's do some trivia. And I was like, yeah, sure, like, he's mm-hmm. here at the premiere, he's going to be a diehard Star Wars fan. And his first question he goes, uh, where's Chewbacca from? And I, I laughed, and he like gave me this dead serious look. I'm like, oh, that's really your first question. Like, that's not very hard. No. That's like, right. Am I more of a nerd than I think I am? And then like, it's like, do you want the city? Like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure where you're going for like treetop village. Right. Like, do you, you want the know? name of his father in the holiday special? <laughs> do you yeah. want the year he completed his manhood test? Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, it's it's crazy, like, the the varying levels of fandom, too. But then I get into other conversations, like, if Jim started talking to me about Legends or about uh, Rebels right now, I I would basically be lost. It's it's crazy how much there really is to explain. No, truly, truly. Like, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, and not, not to say, like, I'm not a big fan of the shows. I just haven't watched them. Like, I watch Clone Wars, but I just don't in general watch tv ever and so like rebels or resistance i i I learned as much as i needed to learn for editing the comics but like mine is all i you know i do the video games i do the novels and then the comics um but yeah like there's there's just so much now there's so much content and it's not getting any (laughs) any less (laughs) your your brain would break if you attempt to uh, like really taking everything, unless you're Jim, because Jim does actually manage a timeline, uh-huh. um, which is why I think Jim is superhuman, because uh, I don't understand how he keeps all this knowledge in his head. But I will say, I I still have not watched more than 30 seconds of Rebels. I tried Resistance, couldn't get into it, but I did get super into the Clone Wars. Uh, the Clone Wars was a cartoon that I was like, okay, this is actually amazing. Yeah, um, no, for sure. It's- the other stuff, it's just so hard. It, there's so much, it's so hard to get into. So have you were you into Legends at all before uh, before it got put away? Oh, uh, Thrawn has been my like aside from Afra, like Thrawn has been my number one Star Wars character for ever. Ever. That's that's another character we could go on and on and on about. Yeah, he has come up in almost every single podcast we've done. Oh, no, it's we brought up Thrawn as soon as as soon as I got the job and knew I was going to be working on Star Wars. Um, like the two books I kept pitching over and over is let me do a Thrawn book. Let me do a Revan book. Like those were my, like, I want to do old Republic. I want to do Revan. I want to do Thrawn. Um, I got oh. Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. So you, I was so going to say, there my, are... <laughs> you, 
you answered my next question of if you could bring someone over that you haven't that hasn't been brought over yet, who would be? Oh, Revan, but, hands down. No. Yeah, hands oh. down. <laughs> oh, then. The Knights of the Old Republic game blew my mind. It's so it, it good. It could be coming. It could be coming. There's I mean, a lot of rumors going on or, uh, on lately about that being like the next big area of film that they dive into. I, I would be all for it, uh, especially if it's the Game of Thrones guys, regardless of how the series ended. If they're the ones doing the Old Republic, I'd, I'd be very stoked on it. Uh, but it also, like, the Old Republic makes me yearn for the pre-EA days of Star Wars. Not to get yes. negative, but I do... I miss... I miss Star Wars games. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, no. I'm I'm the same way. Like, I mean, e, EA is doing what EA does, and EA doesn't isn't known for doing story-driven games. They're nor, known for doing, you know, simulation-type games. And so, like, the Battlefront stuff, like, it makes sense for, for what they're doing. It's... Um, it's just, I think, you know, when, when we have the Old Republic or, uh, you know, Force Unleashed or all of these other, like, great, fantastic games that were so heavily story-based and so well done, um, it does leave something left, you know, to be desired. I think, you know, were these Battlefront games the only Star Wars games that had ever existed, they would be fine and fun and people would love them. There's just, unfortunately, so much great content that came before that it's hard to live up to. Yeah, yeah the bar has been set and was set a long time ago, and they yeah. have failed to get them anywhere near it. Anywhere near it, yeah. You, you can't you can't give us a character like Kyle Katarn and then give us nothing. And right. Like once you come back to EA, like you just can't. You have to realize there are so many incredible characters that came out of video games that, I mean, we already brought up Reven too. Like there, you can't like I can't even remember the name of the character in Battlefront Two. Like that's how forgetful it was. So it's. It's kind of a bummer. I have high hopes, I guess. High, Not even high hopes. I have very realistic expectations for the Jedi Fallen Order game because it's like, just give me something that has substance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, getting getting back to the, the comic books, less about the video games, because we, <laughs> we did our Star Wars video game episode where we, we railed against EA for a good 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> What was, uh, was there anything new that you learned uh, about Star Wars while editing the books? I know you talked about how you kind of came in and realized you were the uh, the head honcho, the, the knowledge machine. But uh, was there anything surprising that either you learned about your own fandom or like something in canon that you didn't know before that you were like, oh, this is cool? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were tons. Uh, nothing really came to mind. Uh, I, if anything, working on Star Wars has just kind of solidified that I, I still don't care about Boba Fett as a character. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that on your Twitter. That, uh, yes. that that's a point of contention. <laughs> I'm a little nervous now. <laughs> oh, I have I a Mandalorian it. tattoo on my back. No, I have nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with Mandalorians. Nothing wrong at all. I just have issues with Boba Fett. I again, one of the first stories that uh, of of actual in canon characters when I started that I pitched and wanted to do is I really want to do a Jango Fett book. I really want to tell the story of why Jango Fett. Why did the uh, Caminos choose Jango Fett to clone? And why did Jango Fett agree? What made him so badass that he was the guy that they're like, we want thousands of you to make this army because you are the best. Like, there's a story there. That's something that's really, really cool. Um, And I, 
I want to know about that. And it's funny because they 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 did the uh, Age of Republic Django Fett one shot, and they like just barely touched on that. Yeah. Like very 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 lightly touched on the fact that, and it was kind of just that like. Django Fett wanted money. If I'm remembering correctly, he, there wasn't really that much motivation from it. But I do remember when I wrote the review for that issue, I called it the coolest Boba Fett has ever been. Because yeah. young Boba Fett is in that book, and he has, like, five pages where he's just going he's, – he's being a badass for once. And I was like, that's the coolest he's ever done, despite having a cool costume. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, Jim. I, I don't know if we've ever dove into my Boba Fett opinions before, but now we're starting to. <laughs> It's okay. No, I kicked I, you off the podcast like five minutes ago. No, I also I also had this pitch too that I I I knew Lucasfilm would never accept, so I never even sent it to them. But like I had this Boba Fett pitch that uh, he really isn't that badass. He's just a giant fuck up, but everyone thinks uh, he's badass because like he he went on some mission. Jabba sent him on a mission. You know, don't come back unless he's dead. And he tried to kill this dude and he ended up like cutting off his hand or whatever. And so he comes back, but the guy gets away and Boba Fett comes back with just his hand. And that's how the like disintegrations uh, rumors started spreading. Is that like, oh man, this guy's so badass. Like this is all that came back. <laughs> God, that would have been, that would have made so many people mad. But well, it would have I... made so much sense. Because <laughs> oh, totally much... would how many times has this guy got his ass whooped by a blind dude? <laughs> it's true, and I feel like if George Lucas was still in charge, he would have been like, oh, absolutely. Because he always oh, says, like, I don't get the big deal with Boba Fett. He was never supposed to be that cool. No, no. Have you and seen uh, the actor who, who um, like, played Boba Fett with his helmet oh. off? Oh, I've met him. Oh, so you've seen the stash and the glasses. Yeah. Jeremy Bullock? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like wow that really uh takes away from it all a yep. little bit <laughs> just a little could you imagine if they did that in the films too because he looks like uh napoleon's brother from napoleon dynamite a bit yes like, could oh you imagine wow. he really if they're does. like if they do a boba fett solo film or series and they they do the unmasking and it's just chip from napoleon dynamite like hey guys this uh, is all I want now. Like so wearing the do rag, though. Is I, he wearing yeah, the do rag? No, of course he's wearing the do rag. I have a friend who writes for SNL, and I may just throw this his way. Yes. Uh, so Jabba's got a job for us, and uh, <laughs> it's actually it's pretty sweet. Uh, oh my god! Well, and I are getting pretty serious, and like a Rodian woman walks in. Peace <laughs> <laughs> no, out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> Though I will say, to, to end our Boba Fett talk on a positive note, the most recent Age Republic, uh, or sorry, Age of Rebellion Boba Fett one-shot is super rad. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first one where I was like, wow, I now I now think Boba Fett is cool. Although, I mean, his armor has always been cool, but that was the one where I'm like, okay, this like actually built up his his um, notoriety. Right, I think I think that's the thing that like frustrates me with the Boba Fett fandom is like you just think he looks badass. That's cool. Just admit that. Like, <laughs> fine. It's okay, Jim. It's okay. I also like General Grievous. What? <laughs> I like General Grievous in theory, not in practice. <laughs> well, uh, Tartakovsky Grievous. Okay. Okay. Where he he squished uh, Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so, so I know that you helped adapt, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Thrawn to comics. Yep. Um, I can't wait for July 23rd, I think. I feel like that's when, um, what's it called? Is it Treason? Thrawn Treason, the third book? Someone yep. help me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love um, well-done adaptations. Like Jody Hauser is one of my favorite writers, and I, I call her the adaptation queen. Yes. Um, she just jumps into fandoms that she admittedly will say, like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to write this amazing adaptation, and she just does it. She's done it with, like, StarCraft, Stranger Things. The list is endless. But... Um, yeah, I enjoy adaptation. So you helped adapt um, three Star Wars films of the modern era to comics, and mm-hmm. two were from the new trilogy, which is like huge pressure in itself. Uh, and the other one was the franchise's first standalone film. So, you know, with all that pressure, like, what was the biggest challenges as an editor that you faced during that? I think, you know, there we had a lot of restrictions with Force Awakens because Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm is, you know, the material is very precious. They, everything, you know, everything is published as canon. So they didn't want too much changed. Um, They didn't want anything changed. And so when we did Force Awakens, we were given pretty heavy restrictions of you literally cannot change anything. Um, And then that made for a very boring comic because it was the same as the movie. And so when we went into Rogue One to do Rogue One, and to do Last Jedi and to do Thrawn, you know, I I went in with, you know, we don't want to change the story in any way, shape, or form. We just, we want to give, we want to make sure that the people who see the movie are getting something else out of this. Um, And some of that comes with, I mean, one of the big, big things for me (laughs) with Rogue One was, uh, you know, everyone's favorite moment from the trailer, I rebel, didn't make it into the movie. Uh... And so, like, I wanted to give that moment. I wanted to make that moment earned and give it justice. And um, but also, you know, comics can do things that movies can't do. Movies can do things that comics can't do. And I really wanted to lean into comic strength of, um, you know, visual storytelling through art. And and um, so again, with Jody, Jody is such a huge Star Wars fan, and she's such a great, great storyteller when it comes to adaptations of what are moments that we can really look into um, to, to, to dive into, to, to get a different viewpoint from the film. And some of that was characters that we don't really see a lot of in the film, um, such as, uh, oh my gosh, I, his, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character in Rogue One, who's, name is escaping Sagarera. me. Yes, Sagarera. Like we only see him for a little bit in the film. Um, but we also see him in Rebels. And so like how can we tie that into it? How can we make that moment mean something and give a nice little easter egg to the Rebels fans, right? Um and so we got that and we got a couple different moments with her family and um you know one of my favorite things with uh with doing the Last Jedi adaptation with Gary Whitta was uh, getting more of Luke's perspective because this is a big movie for Luke, a big, big moment for him. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, uh, 
you're you're an idiot. You should have seen it by now. It's been out for two years. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I, think, I think we can say the spoiler has been lifted. Uh, Hit pause, yeah. go watch it, and then come back. Yeah, come back. Why are you listening to a Star Wars podcast? Would be the real <laughs> question. <laughs> um, but um. Uh, like, you know, getting to get in his space and see where he is at emotionally with, you know, dealing with Kylo and dealing with Ray and dealing with, you know, his actions and his responsibilities and the weight he feels um, that leads him to make that decision to to leave the Jedi and go to Octu and to um, end up, you know, giving himself up to the Force uh, was very, very powerful and I think justified some of the decisions because we, as we all know, the Last Jedi was a very, very controversial um, oh. film for the Star Wars community. Um, and so I think getting to explore that a little bit more um, was a really cool thing. Yeah, it was, it was controversial for there's people who loved the film, and then there's those who are wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, I again, <laughs> I, I agree, but. <laughs> I feel per- I feel personally attacked. Although I've said many times, I don't hate the Last Jedi. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, and yeah. you're wrong. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm with you, Connor. I like Ryan's like overarching themes of like killing the past and embracing the new and the future. I just didn't care a lot for how he executed the story, but there were so many really cool moments in it that I enjoyed. So, yeah, so, like, so I think still I so think, much to like about it. I think what you say kind of sums up. Uh, cause I have, I have the, uh, the one line summation I have for every single of the new Star Wars films. Um, and like mine for Last Jedi is it's the perfect Star Wars story. It's just not a good Star Wars film. You, oh my you God, basically, that is perfect. Yeah. You basically said how I feel, but a lot yes. better than how I said it. <laughs> like it's, it's like for me, um, it's. It, it's a Ryan Johnson movie. It's a, you know, like, and, and nothing against Ryan Johnson. He's great at what he does. Um, but he, he can only do Ryan Johnson films. Um, and to me, that's just not what a star Wars film is, but the story is absolutely fantastic. And the story was absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't imagine a different story being told um, for what, that film needed to accomplish for, for what this arc is. Um, it just, it, it, I, yeah. It made the hard I mean, choices that people didn't, I feel like he did what a lot of people probably couldn't and didn't want to do. It. 100%. And, and yeah. he did it in a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, 100%. Like and it I, needed to happen. It as needed much as people to, don't Luke, want to admit it. Luke had to die. Yeah. Um, Luke had to die. It had to happen because if the era is ever going to be passed on, he can't be, you know, we've been following Luke's story from the beginning. And I, and I will always love him to death. And I don't think that anyone will ever eclipse how strongly I care about that character, but it's not his story anymore. No. It's raised and it's Kylo's and it's Finn's and it's Poe's and it's Rose and it's all these new characters. And that's like, everything changes like we live in a very dynamic world and universe and and that's how it works you can't tell the same story with the same character forever it just Mm -hmm. it just can't happen well it's what i say like you want more luke stories read the comics read the novels read the you know play the games read legends exactly they're there of luke yeah and plus the last jedi gave us the the throne room fight scene which is one of the best Star Wars, or one of the best lightsaber fight scenes in the entire trilogy, Hands or down. the entire saga. It's, it's so, it was so amazing. cool. Hands I, rem- yeah. I remember when the part where uh, 
you know, Kylo throws the lightsaber over Ray and she just uh, catches it and ignites it. It's like that. That is one of the all time coolest moments. Like it was dead silent in the theater and people just were like, yeah. So, so one of, one of my, I don't talk about this a lot cause it's kind of what I do on the side for fun. But a thing I've been doing for the past um, 10 years is I do fight choreography. I do stunt work. Um, and uh, like hands down, it's one of the best choreographed fight scenes I've ever seen. Like it's just beautifully well done. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing, and it's it's so fluid and it's easy. You, it, you don't get lost in the chaos of the fight. So I think that's a problem with a lot of fight scenes. You can easily, if there's too many cuts, if it's mm-hmm. just too many moving moving parts, you can get lost in the chaos. And that scene, it's it's like a violent fight, yet it's eloquent and it's fluid. It's it's yeah. incredible. And the the red um curtain or whatever you want to call it like mm-hmm. burning and falling around them like every part about it's, it's it like the beautiful. atmosphere yeah it's, and yeah. as it's burning it's revealing like the stars behind it and the fights that are happening in space like there's so many little things to appreciate about it and it it feels dangerous like if you have people with lightsabers fighting people who don't have lightsabers 99% of the time, you're not worried about the person with the lightsaber, but in this scenario, you are very worried for both exactly. of them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's... yeah. It has me excited for the, the trilogy that he's doing, and I'm kind of disappointed that it's the GOT guys coming up next and not his. Yeah, I would have I liked them, speaking of the, the new films coming out, I would have liked them to stagger it. Like, you know, have the first one is the, the Game of Thrones trilogy, and then two years later is the Ryan Johnson movie, and then kind of stagger the releases like that, you know? But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because Ryan Johnson just has something crazy planned. I can't so. say I can't I can't oh. say anything. She knows oh, oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows. I'll as see her I, Boston as, comic. As I like to say, that. I know things that you don't know you. Know. <laughs> um. oh. If you could choose one character that originated from the comics that you helped to craft to appear in a TV show or movie, perhaps by Ryan Johnson, perhaps not, uh, who would you pick? I mean, really, you have to ask. I know I what your answer it. is, but like, I want everyone to hear it. I want everyone else to hear it. It's Doc. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. I have, like I said earlier in the in the the podcast, I I have I have long championed her appearance as a as a live action character. I think she would she would be massive. People would love her. Oh, hands down. And I have been I mean, I've I've gotten some flack on this, but I don't care. Like I I really want Olivia Munn to play her. Um I think Olivia Munn would be perfect in my opinion. I don't get be the awesome. hate for her. I I really don't. I think she's a good actress. Like I, I don't understand. I never it. understood why she gets so much hate. It I don't get it. Like she is a terrific actress and and I even like most of the movies she's done, including yeah. The Predator, and I liked X-Men Apocalypse, so I, I don't understand it at all. And I think she would be an amazing, amazing Dr. Aphra. She is, she is, she's so, she's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, she's such a funny actress, and, like, there's, like, this dry sense of humor that Aphra has that is, I, I think it's very difficult. Um, and, yeah, I think Olivia Munn would, like, nail it perfectly. Oh, totally. I've also thought um, Chloe Bennett who is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep, that's quite yes. I thought she would be a really good Afro too, because she can she can maintain that, like, quiet, stoic anger mixed with, like, not necessarily, like, a bubbly personality, but still social, um, which I think is what you kind of have to have to, to play Afro. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, there's so much to explore if you do an Afro movie, and there's so many, 
there's so many amazing storylines you could adapt that include the major players from the original trilogy. I mean, if you did a if they did a Vader down movie or TV series, you'd have to include Afra. But then, I mean, I can't. Every time I explain to somebody who's a Star Wars fan what the Vader down story is, they're like, "That's amazing. Why isn't that a, a movie yet?" I'm like, "Well, because it's already an incredible comic. Just read the comic." But I mean, that would be the I think that would be the perfect entry point to introducing Doctor Afra onto the big screen, and then we get Triple Zero, we get BT. You mm-hmm. could bring back Doctor Evazon. It'd be uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself because I I'm, I'm now I'm getting heated now I'm getting flustered. <laughs> well, you know where we might see her. I it's possible. I don't think it's gonna happen because I feel like it would have leaked. But the Mandalorian. It's it's a possibility. I could see it happening. She wouldn't uh, she wouldn't be that old in the Mandalorian. She would be what maybe in her late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right, we gotta get away from this, Connor. Um, yeah, <laughs> our last question for you, Heather. Um, you know, we we've talked at length about Star Wars and how much and how many things we love about it. Thrawn, uh, Rogue One, uh, but this year is huge for Star Wars. We have the Rise of Skywalker, the Mandalorian, uh, the third Thrawn book, Galaxy's Edge is opening, um, Fallen Order is coming. And I'm sure a slew of other things that we don't have listed here. Like, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking. I mean, for me, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting to go to Galaxy's Edge. I think you know to kind of be in a like a you know real life Star Wars space. You know the the little stuff they already have at 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 Disney that they've had for the past few years is surreal in and of itself and amazing. Um, but to be in a whole park like it, I think is just going to be such a pinch me moment. Um, you know, everyone's going to be that five year old again. And I like even seeing the pictures, you know, like of of the hundreds of people standing next to the life size Millennium Falcon, like is just so breathtaking and i cannot wait to like see it and experience it and ugh, ugh, i'm just so excited <laughs> with you do you have plans uh, to go yet uh not concrete because unfortunately i'm traveling like literally every week of the summer doing shows um but i'm gonna try i'm i'm, I'm trying to it when i'm at san, san diego to uh make it down there for a day but we'll see we'll see yeah if only my little brother and sister didn't have uh school and finals i would be going next week i'm sorry but this is not their fault ruin everything no 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 no. siblings ruin everything thank Um, you heather i agree they're they're the worst your fault man I, I I mean we talked about this when when we recorded our intro last week but I felt I was so proud of myself I'm like I am the coolest older brother of all time I'm going to surprise them with a trip to Star Wars land they're both massive Star Wars fans they're going to be so excited text my stepdad and he's like yeah that's the first day of finals for both of them and like my little brother god bless his, his soul I know he's listening so he's going to be really mad about this but his grades are not good so I can't justify taking him out of school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, sorry. You you for sure have to take your so final. So you take the sister instead. I should have. I really should have. Like, you flaunt it in front of him. Yeah. I this is punishment. I'm oh. terrible, but I would so do that. <laughs> that that would have been great. That's no, but I mean, like, the, I like the, pic, the pictures that have come out about uh, Galaxy's Edge uh, that I saw 
earlier today. It, it looks like you're not even at Disneyland, which they, you know, they obviously said that in all their marketing materials. They're like, you're, we're going to transport you to another world. And I was like, okay, sure you are. But then you look at the pictures. It's like, oh my God, you really don't, you don't look like you're in a park. It looks, it looks like you're on a set. And yeah. They're just like we we talked we've talked about before. They're gonna have to drag me out of there. I I can only imagine when I when I go there, I'm gonna try to look for crawl spaces that I can hide in, so I can just kind of like live there and be there. <laughs> I mean, they forced I Coke. Just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say I just can't imagine like the the employees. Like I I would quit my job, <laughs> like go go work there. And apparently, like the cast members, as they're called, they get to choose a name. They get to choose their own outfit. Yeah. Like at that point, I'm coming up with a full backstory. Oh, you, yeah, like, absolutely. You have like, to. You're really making me question my current job. I, 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 oh, I told, I told my, my boss, which also I have to give a shout out to my boss for letting me leave work early today to uh, come do this interview. So thanks, Carolyn. Um, shout but, out, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Carolyn. You go, Carol. Um, but like I told him, I was like, I'd quit my job immediately to go. Just work at Star Wars Land, minimum Absolutely. wage. Never pay off my student loans. Just be, like, yeah, whatever. I'm happy. Yeah, no, I, I'm for it. I I read the review from uh, I don't remember who it was, but there was a reporter at The Verge that was invited to go with a group of media to experience the park early with just media, and they said, uh, I think it's Rise of the Rebellion. Am I getting that right? Rise of the Resistance is the one that isn't open yet. Yes, they they got to to preview that ride and they said it is the largest most immersive ride in disney's history oh man and they weren't allowed to talk about it at all but they said it's the most incredible thing that the company has ever done in any format and i have the feeling that a huge chunk of that 14 acres is that ride it has yeah yeah Yeah. which speaking of immersive experiences that reminds me uh heather when you when you do go to uh, Disneyland in Anaheim, you have to make sure to make a detour to uh, the Void in downtown Disney. Oh yes, 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 yes. Secrets of the that. Empire. Oh god, it's I've so done fun. That. It's so, so much, much fun. fun. Yeah, it was amazing. I remember like my dad and I did it before a hockey game, and and we were like, what? like, can we can we just do that like six times? Uh, like it's it's incredible. So if there's anything like that at Galaxy's Edge too, that'll well, it's like, it it's like the first time I got to do Star Tours, right? Like, the first time <laughs> I did Star Tours, it's just this, like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Like, I'm going to do this 27 more times and make <laughs> my family sick. And that's what's that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> like, one of the coolest parts about Star Tours, too, was, like, the line was cool. Like, waiting yeah! Yeah, you would, like walk through Endor's well, that, forest. That is the one thing that that well is they understand you're going to be standing in line for a while, so they're going to make the line experience good. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I'm I'm with your family of I do Star War, uh, Star Tours as literally the last thing of the night because it it I get motion sick and it wipes me out. Oh, you're so weak. Yeah. <laughs> the the you the, know a real the first... fan would suck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I w- they went to Kashyyyk, I had to take the goggles off. I'm like, no, oh I can't God. do this. I don't need to throw up. We're on, so uh, not going to let him put this down. 3D things give me migraines, and I've done that ride like 10 times in a row and just dealt with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> oh, I'm paralyzed by fear of the Millennium Falcon ride because I don't want that to happen. Dude, <laughs> one word, Dramamine. 
Uh, Dramamine makes it worse for me. Really? It, it works great for me. Uh, one word, alcohol. Yeah! Which You one-up me. That's a better and, word. And there's a bar on Batu. We we talked about that with uh, Holly a couple episodes ago. I'm, I'm very excited to check out that bar. The uh, drinks sound fantastic. Yes! Yeah. I, and it's, it's, I love how like they have craft beer which is like the most californian thing in the world it's like mm-hmm. of course we're in southern california you can get a craft beer in in the and supposedly in batu i think that's amazing yeah so all right we hit all the questions and we took up an hour of your time so thank you so much thank you for having me this was a blast yeah this was awesome and i was i really will, fun i will likely hold you to the uh the dr afro special episode Dude, let's uh, do it. Because we can talk for hours about that. I know JJ feels very similarly too, and oh, Jim yeah. can Jim board. can can check our chronology to make sure we're we're correct. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks again for coming on. I know it's it's been a long conversation, but this was an absolute blast. Anytime, I you know I, Star Wars has been part of my entire life, and it will continue to be part of my life, and so I will. This is this is fun for me. <laughs> Oh man, it was such a great time. Like that's awesome. I so I like took here you go. So I I, I told you I met uh, my boyfriend because he was wearing a Han Solo T-shirt. So for his birthday this year, uh, I took him to a Star Wars burlesque show. Uh. And like we left it, and he turns to me, he's like, "I had a great time, but I'm pretty sure you had more fun than I did." <laughs> so, oh, that's amazing. Star Wars that's a in any good way, girlfriend. shape, or form. <laughs> I'm gonna go drop that hint in my girlfriend's ear once this is done. If uh, you want the general public to be able to get in touch with you, what is a good contact for you? Uh, the best way to find me is via Twitter at, at Heather Antos, um, Instagram at Heather Antos, or HeatherAntos.com. I keep it simple. All right, everyone. Well, that will do it for us. So uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And I think I can speak for Jim and Connor. I'll let them confirm themselves in a second here. But that was one of the most fun interviews and just episodes that we've ever had. Oh, yeah. Great time. Anytime I can get somebody who shares my enthusiasm for Dr. Afra, my disdain for Boba Fett and doesn't yell at me when I make a pod racing reference. They're uh, they're uh, they're a friend friend of mine. So uh, once again, thanks. Thanks to Heather for uh, talking with us and for spending uh like an hour and 10 minutes listening to us and, and talking with us. That's incredible. I can never have people talk to me for that long. So that was awesome. Yeah, no, it was great. I'm so glad that she was able to join us and I can't wait to have her on again. That, uh, yeah. Dr. After special episode, look out for people. It's coming. Yeah. Connor and I are going to get working on that pretty quick for you. So Dr. Afra fans, it's coming. I promise. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening guys. Uh, the best way you can support the show is to tell more people about it. Spread the word. Uh, we are on AIPTcomics.com. We do a bunch of star Wars content there in general, and that's where all of us live and work and write about nerdy things, especially star Wars. Uh, this is going to be a big year for star Wars. You're going to see a lot of content out of us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. S W I N poor taste. That's at, S-W-I-N Poor Taste, Star Wars in Poor Taste Uh, We announce a lot of our giveaways there and you can also find the episodes and links to random Star Wars content as well as articles from the site Uh, If you'd like to get on the show, we would love to hear from you, get in our mailbag we'll ask you a question on air you can email us S-W-I-P-T at 
AIPTcomics.com. That's S-W-I-P-T at AIPTcomics.com. Rolls right off the tongue. It really does. It's not difficult at all. By the way, I was thinking about this today, guys. Do you think we could call our our, our listeners, and I think you guys are really going to love this, uh, Swiptilians? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's not good either, but it's not bad. No, it's not good. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really sorry about him, everyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. We had a great time this episode. Thank you to Heather once again. Fantastic interview. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great night. Bye, Yukio.